step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now. And with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall. And if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball. Now go out and hand check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna let me for my ambition. So it is uh, episode 130 here on the Hooper's Log, uh, May 2nd, 2016, and it's not May Day, but it is May 2nd, and uh, I'm out here in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, Washington, uh, obviously doing episode 130 of the Hooper's Log here, yes, 130 episodes, we're going to recap all the Game 7s from yesterday, we're going to talk about the second round and how it's begun, my voice is gone, I've been screaming the last five minutes uh, to our uh, and also I screamed over the weekend. It was a beautiful weekend here in the Pacific Northwest, but currently as I sit here and I, and I stew and I, and I talk and I, and I, and I fathom the outcome of where I live. And, uh, I, I just sit here and I wonder about the future of this city out here in the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, Washington, the quote unquote Emerald city. I'm starting to more and more think of it being the smoked out city of America. Uh, for those of you that don't know, if you're not if you're listening live to the Hoopers Live, if you'd like to call in and talk about this, the Seattle Arena deal is dead. It's dead. It's been ten years since we've had a, a team here in Seattle, nine if you want to be exact, and uh, it's looking like it's not going to happen. And for multiple reasons, because uh, today was the day voting the yes would have meant breaking ground in the Soto District, just south of literally one block south of Safeco Field. If you know about uh, the world of sports up here in the Pacific Northwest, you have Quest Field where the Seahawks play, literally right across the street from Safeco Field. Then you have Safeco Field, which would be right across the street from where eh, maybe a block down to where the new Sonics Arena would have been built. And the City of Seattle Council today decided to vote down the amendment to get the street vacated to allow an arena to be built uh, what's fascinating about all this is that they allowed a vote no in saying that it would strictly be NBA first before the, the arena. So for the reason why that's good is if, the, is if the arena – first of all, if the amendment would have been – the voting would have gone through 
to say that the NBA needed to come first for an arena to be built. That means that, that the Sonics would have had to, if the Sonics were to come back, the Sonics would have had to play in Key Arena or some other uh, building first before going into the new arena. That would not have worked. We would have not gotten the Sonics back at all. That actually would have hindered it even more. But the vote went through 6-3, to three, allowing for the Sonics to not need to come back until an arena was built. So all we were waiting for today, about a half an hour ago, if you're listening live, you're listening to the podcast, episode 130, my voice is shot. It's gone. Um, you know, the phone line is 323-642-1558. I know those of you listening in the Boston area, you don't really care about this, but it should impact you, and it should feel like something massive. I mean, I know we're in a bubble out here in the Pacific Northwest with uh, – with uh, uh, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. But outside of really the Golden State Warriors and, uh, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, the two closest teams to this location, or sorry, the Portland Trailblazers uh, and the Minnesota Timberwolves from the North region, uh, this is all we got is the Seattle area. And realistically, it's about a two-hour drive south to go to a Portland game. And people who are sports fans up here are fed up of having to sit back and watch the Seattle Council turn into straight-on morons. I mean, you got to be absolutely joking. Do, if, if you're not aware of what just happened today as an NBA fan or a basketball fan in general, and if you live out here in the Pacific Northwest, I know if you're, if you're 15 and under, you don't understand what's going on because you're too young to know. But if you're my age or older, what's gone on now and what has happened today may, may completely kill the absolute chance of getting a team back in Seattle. This might have been the final straw. Because this really was the last straw we had. I mean, with the Chris Hansen deal, Chris Hansen putting literally every single piece in place, and it came down to one vote. One vote. And it's not to say that it's, it's Gonzalez's fault for her fault. It's not to say it's her fault. There were five people who voted this down who could have made the vote possible for the Seattle Arena. <clears throat> and I have a lot of bugs in my throat right now. But the point is, is now, and I know this is all Seattle topic, but I'm going to talk Seattle because Andrew Norris won't be on the air until about 8.20 p.m. Uh, Pacific, uh, Eastern time. It is 5 p.m. Pacific time here on the, on the Northwest. I sound absolutely horrendous right now. I can hear myself talk. I sound terrible, so I apologize for that uh, in advance. I was at a Mariner game this weekend, and uh, I yelled the whole time, so my voice was gone. Uh, but I apologize for that. But anyway, back to the point. This, uh, this vote down means that the chance of the NBA coming back to Seattle is probably about a 5% chance of ever, ever happening again. And I'm not just saying that because it just happened. I'm being in the prisoner of the moment. I mean, Chris Hansen has been building this up for the last five years now. And ever since 2009, 2010, when he decided to step into this, this, this project, he has spent five, six years of his life trying to get this team back to Seattle or at least an opportunity to get this team back to Seattle and even open up an opportunity to do so. This, over the last five, six, seven months, has opened up an opportunity to get a project in place where we could have a potential opportunity, not just for a new basketball team, but for a new arena in this area so that we could have somewhere new to have concerts instead of having concerts only in Safeco Field or in a, a grungy key arena, which is a block away from the Space Needle. Um, you know, outside, you know, get them, get them, get them away from Quest Field, where when you have, or CenturyLink, excuse me, when you get them away from those fields where it's all outdoors and strictly outdoors, this arena would have opened up a brand new opportunity for not just, not just, 
you know, basketball, but also, but also uh, hockey and all that, and all of those great, great venue, a great venue for that, a payoff, more jobs economically would have, would have really secured this city and kept it hunkered down. And the only reason, the main reason why it didn't go through was because the port of sea, the, the city of Seattle was up, was scared that the logistics of the city and the economical influence that it would have would create a downturn for this city. Now, I want to I want to tell you something about the Seattle area and the Soto District, if I may, for about three minutes, four minutes. The Soto District is mostly made up of of really rundown buildings that do not have any kind of say and, and, and presence when it comes to uh, when it comes to the ability to create jobs. And those people can easily find another job somewhere else. They're, they're warehouses that are very low, rundown areas, and they're vacated parking lots for the most part. That's all they are. They're, they're not giant areas for anything. Just think, think of like a Walmart parking lot for a second, an empty Walmart parking lot, and the only reason it's used is for game day purposes to get – you know for people to park to go to games. That's the only thing that's stopping this from going is the – is the, the city council thought that a vacated parking lot for a majority of the year, yes, I understand there are events, there are, there are baseball games, there's soccer games, there's football games. I understand that. I do. I totally get it. But you can create more parking in other places further away and create even more jobs by setting up taxi services or something to allow people to get to the game and maybe even create an even better way to get to the game itself. It can happen. It can. It's possible. It's, we're not living in a society where we're, we're going by coach and buggy anymore. This is Seattle. This is one of the top ten cities in America. It just flat out is. I mean, Seattle is unbelievable. If you've ever been here, it's an amazing city. And what's frustrating is that people, these, these, pol- these, politi- these corrupted politicians who think that all they can do is sit back and, and, and dictate what everything happens, they sit back and they, and they look at the entire picture, which I, I give them credit for, but to think that economically the city of Seattle would be more run down if, a, if an arena was built five years down the road, you're out of your mind. I mean, you're absolutely out of your mind, and, and you're so short-sighted in thinking that way to think that a, an arena can't be built, can't be built just because of traffic purposes. Do you really think traffic is going to be that hindered in downtown Seattle in a portion that really isn't driven by as much as people in the Soto district? It's not, I'm telling you. I mean, us getting a city back in Seattle at a minimum takes us back another five years. Like easy, easy, 2020, next decade. We don't have a shot. I mean, they have to create a whole separate game plan now to even have a chance. And this has been talked about for over seven, eight months now, you know, since the talks of obviously two years ago when the chance of even bringing the, the team back, you know, from the King, the whole Sacramento King thing that happened in 2012 or 2013, beginning of 2013, you know, then they, then they decided to put this project in place. And all, all we needed to do was bank on, as I go through puberty, all we needed to do was bank on the city of Seattle Finding a way to just get the politicians to say, hey, look, understand that economically this will create an amazing amount of work jobs, 
This will create more jobs. It'll create more of an economic turn on because you'll want people to people will want to go there. Not that Safeco Field's not beautiful. Not that not that CenturyLink isn't beautiful. They're beautiful arenas, but to match that with allowing something better for more sports teams to come in, more people will want to be in Seattle than before. Look, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, City of Seattle, but you have to understand something. The way the world is working, we have football, baseball, basketball, and even hockey is huge. You have all four of those in one central location. Seattle becomes a very, very big hotbed for people to want to come, and sports is becoming more and more and more popular in this country, whether we like it or not. And I understand living out here in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of natural beauty, outdoor things to do. I totally get it. And for most people, what they want to do in this state is, is smoke weed, get high, and feel no pain. That's pretty much what people want to do now. They voted on it in the, in the city council. Weed's been legal for about two, three years now. I mean, it's just the facts. Weed is legal now. You know, you got things that are legal in this state that other states aren't legal for a reason because people are smoking themselves out. This city is so sm- – I, I, I'm, I'm just – I'm fed up with this city. I'm fed up. For those of you that live here in the Pacific Northwest, and if you're listening to the show, I'm fed up with this. I'm fed up with the state. The legal system here is a flat-out joke. The people in charge up up top, not everybody, it's it's the minute few. And unfortunately, those minute few are the ones dictating whether or not good things happen in this state. It does. And the people who want the things to happen, you know, gay, gay rights, fantastic, good stuff. Weed being legalized. It should have been legalized 30 years ago. Look, some of these things that are being done, they should have been done a long time ago. But finally, here they're getting done. But for some reason, when it comes to the, the, the place of sports in this city, we can't get back what, what this city is about. I'm t- look, let me, let, me just sit, let me just say this. This city – look, for those of you that are listening to this show on the Hooper's Log, again, episode 130, my name is Simo Buckets. If you'd like to call in, the phone number is 323 642 one five five eight. Look, this city in Seattle, man, this was not a football city 10, 15 years ago. People love the Seahawks, but it's crazy now because they've been good. You know, from the standpoint of success, we have Fairweather fans. That is not a debate, and if you, and if you can't see past that, you're blind to your loyalty. It's just the facts. When the team's good, fans show up. That's how it is. When the team sucks, no one shows up. Look at Mariner games. Look at Seahawks games. The only thing and I'm telling you, this is just the facts. The only thing that people show up to when the team is minutely good, or not even good, even if they're just decent, is Sonics. Because guess what? When you live out here in the Pacific Northwest, <clears throat> as I'm going through puberty throughout the show because I have no voice, um, when you live here in the Pacific Northwest and you live in this region from November all the way through about this time of the year, which today is beautiful. It's about 85 degrees out and sunny and gorgeous. It's been that way the last four days. But outside of between, you know, between basically when the basketball season starts to when it pretty much ends naturally, this is a very, very hard place to live. I mean, the sun will rise at like 10 o'clock a.m. and it will set at 4 in the morning. I mean, 4 in the afternoon. You might get six hours of daylight. That's if there's no clouds, which is very rare because this is the Pacific Northwest. There will be a legitimate like two-month period where you don't get any sunshine. And I'm serious about that. And – when all you have is Seahawks games going on, you know, once every couple of weeks or once every week, and then you have no baseball, this is a very depressing place to live. It just is. And knowing that this city 
was built, and, 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 the, and the sports prospect of everything was built around the Seattle Sonics. The only reason there's sports in this city or in this location is because of the Seattle Sonics. It is. 1967. 1967. Almost 50 years ago, this city was put on the map in a sports region because of the Seattle Sonics. And there are people now who on social media, around the state, around the, around the country – don't even remember this team being a real thing. Like they know that there, they know there was basketball in Seattle. They just don't understand how important it was here. And when you grow up here, when you grow up in this part of the country, and there's nothing to do in December on a weekday, nothing, because there's nothing going on, and then there's nothing to do in January, nothing to do in February. You understand now why you have weed legalized in this city because there's nothing to do. What else is there to do? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm think about it. I mean, people are starting to generalize. They're, 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 they're starting to value drugs over the, the, the impact that the NBA had on this city. That's what it's turning into. This whole state is getting smoked out. And as, and as someone who's lived here for almost 20, 20, you know, 25 years, pretty much my whole life since 1990, since I was born pretty much. I was born in San Antonio, Spurs fan. But for the standpoint of this city – and the representation of sports in general, there would be no Mariners if it wasn't for the Sonics. There would be no Seahawks if it wasn't for the Sonics. If you're a, if you're a Pacific Northwest sports fan and you love both of those teams, recognize that the Sonics is what built it. They put the momentum on the map to create that opportunity for those organizations to flourish. That's just the facts. There's no cookie-cutter way around it. And for people like these politicians who don't know what they're doing and don't, don't have no idea what they're put, getting themselves into, to be honest, all they're trying to do is build a name and then on top of it completely tearing it down over a couple of votes when a project, private money would be funded. This isn't a publicly funded thing. Chris Hansen said on the record he will put at a minimum 80% of the funds into the, into the arena. You got to put at least a tiny bit of taxes. I'm talking like a couple cents. It ain't anything crazy. What? You got a couple five cents on your on your back? I'm, I'm look. It's it's flat out idiocy. It is it is a state of just. I mean, people are valuing things in this state now, and people are talking the way they're talking in this state now. All you got to do is turn on the news. Look, you turn on the news five years ago in 2011. Everyone sounds cordial. Uh, confident. They sound like they know what they're doing. They sound like they sound like intelligent, intellectual people. Now, when you turn on the news in the local area, King Five or wherever you want to talk about, everyone sounds so smoked out of their mind. It's crazy. And people think that legalizing weed is a good thing. Yeah, people like myself can get into the get into these big time things. And I'm just a blogger on the radio. You know, I want to make it big too. And guess what? I live out in this smoked out state where everyone's valuing the wrong thing. I'm just being honest with you. I'm not going to lie to you. Look around you. Go drive around. Go drive up and down Occidental. Go drive up and down places like that. You'll get the hint of, of weed smell everywhere. People don't value the real things anymore in this state. This isn't a political show. This is a basketball show. But I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. Look, if you're going to value things that aren't valued, that really don't mean anything in the scheme of things, when you have something that can create hundreds and thousands of jobs around the state, around the city, when you have homeless people running up and down the city trying to ask for food money – now, obviously, that's a whole separate issue, but it, it, it's the facts. you got homeless people. I've seen the homeless district in Seattle. It's a joke. These people could be given job opportunities within the city if they don't have transportation. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? 
You political people in Seattle make me sick, and there's a reason why I want to move out of this state. Why do you think I want to move to Vegas? I don't want to be here. The city's a joke, man. I mean, it's a flat-out joke. I go to a Mariner game. I sit six rows back, which obviously I sat over. I sit six rows back. I'm talking during the game, and people are giving me the stink eye like, oh, my God, you're, you're talking to me. Man, I'm at a baseball game. You're supposed to chatter during a game. Okay? That's sports. You're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to get into it. You're supposed to have a good time. There were people around me having fun, but a majority of the people, obviously there was like, there was like probably 15, 25% of the people around me having fun. But everybody else was like, you know, like, come on, dude. It's just a game. Yeah, no, it's sports. They're supposed to be fun. You're supposed to get into it. You're supposed to get at it. That's the mentality of it. People don't have it in this city. It's frustrating. Andrew Norris is on the line. Andrew, hey. Hey, Andrew, what's up, man? How you doing? Dude, Chris, it is it is fantastic to hear the passion. That was a that was a fantastic twenty minutes of radio you just put on there. I mean, fantastic. Might be your best work yet. Um, and, yeah. and I mean, I'm with you. I, I I know I was messing around with you on Twitter, and uh, you know, yeah, yeah. you're getting emotional on Twitter. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think uh, if we're talking politics for a second, I think the legalization of weed actually will do more for, for the city, believe it or not, um, just because of the amount of money the city can put right, into right. things like building a stadium, which can create jobs or, or doing other things like that. Sure. Which and, and and I know what you're going through in, in some sort of way. Here in Detroit, uh, we are <laughs> – the two things we're talking about, yeah. the legalization of weed is trying to happen here, along with now there's the discussion of is an MLS stadium going to be built. A um, couple years down the road, Detroit decided, hey, let's uh, fuel every stereotype there ever has been or ever will be about the city. And right next right. to right. the park, right next to, in the middle of the most beautiful part of the city, let's build a giant It is crib. gorgeous. And, and that's what they decided to do. So um, Detroit, right before filing bankruptcy, decided, hey, let's build a prison in the middle of downtown. Uh, (laughs) The city ran out of money to fund it as it was not uh, paid by the taxpayers, and now there is a half-built prison, half-built prison in the middle of downtown Detroit, once again, fueling every stereotype ever. So Tom Kors and Dan Gilbert come up with the idea, let's build a $1.3 billion stadium uh, in, yeah. in the middle of downtown Detroit, right where the prison is. So then in, in a, within a mile and a half of each other, you'll have the new uh, Little Caesars Arena for the Red Wings, Comerica Park, Ford Field, and then whatever they wanted to call this MLS stadium. Uh, basically creating jobs, creating – I mean, and yes. people don't get soccer, no matter, even though we're in America, that brings in tourists, that brings in, that brings in money to the city, that creates jobs, everything. But – People don't want to do it, even though Tom Gorse and Dan Gilbert have pledged $1 billion out of the $1.3 billion. Um, right, Because right. we live in a society today that is extremely selfish. They'll hear, oh, your taxes are getting raised. You might have to pay an extra $0.10 cents out of every paycheck. And they stopped listening at, oh, your taxes are getting raised. Um, it, it's a big problem. Now, I, I mean, it, it's... It's obviously, and it shows how big of a problem that is when they asked to help help get the jail funded afterwards, and the people said, no, let's let a half-built prison. And, dude, when I say half-built, I mean there's, like, the building isn't even built. It's, like, 
four walls see the inside of the prison or what it would have been. And you drive by it. The first time I ever drove by it, I looked. I was probably 13 years old. I look at my, my aunt and I go, what is that? Because you can't even tell it was going to be a prison. It just looks like a building right. that wasn't finished being built. And you're just so confused when you see it. But people are so cheap. People don't want to help out their fellow Americans. People only want it, people only want what's best for themselves, and, and that's the problem you're running into Seattle, who just by the way, yeah. um, and it's not necessarily her fault. The person who had that ninth vote, no. I guarantee, right, right, right. will never receive another vote again, uh, just because she's going to be the most popular. I tweeted her, uh, which probably was a little bit out of line, but it was fun. Um, no, no, and, and it's really, uh, it, it's really just. Something that you people are just selfish, man. It's it's that simple, and it's it's really well, disappointing to see it get vetoed in in Seattle. Um, I don't think you're going to see that in Detroit because I think you know one billion out of one point three billion is a pretty good ratio. But again, just very right. disappointing to see in Seattle. Well, and the thing is, as you mentioned it, look, I, I said that at the beginning of the show. I, I, I'll repeat it. Look, that that one voter who changed it—that this is not her fault. Look, it it came down to five out of four. It's a lot like bat. It's a lot like any sport, you know. Like everyone blames, like in basketball, everyone blames the guy who misses the layup at the end of the game. Look, you put yourself in a situation to get there, and that's what the rest of the voters did. It was five to four. No, that's why it happened. Um, but and, and 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 the most frustrating part about it, Andrew, is, is I mean, I, again, I don't know the dynamics of your city as much as you don't know the dynamics of my city. I totally get where you're coming from on the prison. That sounds like a flat out. That's just laughable. That's just flat out ridiculous. To wow. I mean, I can't. I can't even imagine that. That's absolutely a flat out joke. But here, when people, this is the problem here. And I've been seeing it since I was like seven, eight years old. Look, when the Mariners in oh in ninety five had that amazing run, they were two years away from being in Tampa Bay. I mean, it was that close because the, the kingdom had safety issues, and all we had was – think about this, Andrew. 20 years ago, all it was was the kingdom and key arena. If, if, you, if you really step back and think about it, it this is how – this is why Edgar Martinez has a damn street named after him in Seattle. This is why, right here. That hit in 95, the double – I'm telling you, Andrew, there might not be a team. There might not be any teams in Seattle. I'm I'm not lying when I say that. There might only be a Sounders in Seattle. There might only be the Seattle Sounders, and that's soccer. And I ain't gonna go watch a soccer game. But I'm just being honest. Like that might be all we have because people were seriously talking about how people were seriously talking about how the. the kingdom would have been knocked down by about 2000, 2001, 2002, depending upon what would have happened. And the, 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 the Mariners would have been gone if they didn't go to the postseason in 95 and have that magical run. They would have been gone. And then the Seahawks were, were mid-average, uh, you know, barely good at best. And people were, weren't putting up money for CenturyLink or, uh, or, uh, or, or Questfield or whatever it's called now across the way from Safeco Field. People were doing that. And so it was getting to a point where, like, there was about to be no teams except for the Sonics back then. So, I mean, if, if you really boil it down, I mean, eventually Key Arena would have needed to be fixed anyway. Would people have saved the Sonics anyway? I don't think so. So, it, so it, and, the, and the thing and the whole thing people here, to get back to my point before we move on to the actual basketball, because I, I really want to move on to it, is that the reason why people freak out is because 20 years ago, 
they had the push for, hey, you have – like 50-50, you have to put in public money to get a new Safeco field. You have to. If you don't, they, ha- they will move, or they will be playing in a – they'll be playing at Cheney Stadium, which is the AAA team of the, of the Mariners, the Rainiers, out here in Tacoma. It's, it's the same thing. It would have happened – like it would have been bad. It would have been real bad. And so that would have been the case, and with that being the case – the Mariners would have been gone. And, and so people, because of 95, they got excited. They, they helped pay for Safeco Field. That drained the city. People were fed up. I, I remember my mom sitting me, telling me, like, when I was a little kid, you know, I wasn't as big of a sportsman as I was. Kind of like how you were, Andrew, with basketball. You didn't know much about things, about sports or basketball when you're younger. But then as you get older, you start to figure it out. She would tell me, I'm so fed up with us having to pay for this, this, stupid, this stupid baseball arena or bas- baseball field when – the team isn't even any good because the Mariners were garbage before the 2000s. They were garbage before 95. And so everyone was like, oh, non-sports fans were like, oh, this is so ridiculous. My taxes are so high. My income taxes are so high. This is high. I'm fed up with it. And then three, two years later, they got a check in the mail. They got a thing in the mail saying, hey, the, uh, the, the new Quest Field slash CenturyLink Field, it's going to be 97% recycled from the kingdom. That's going to be redone and rebuilt through that, your taxes are also going to that. So you got to comb- – that was almost a year and a half of combined taxes t- going to two stadiums. People who are older see that, and when they see this new arena coming in and the politicians see that now, they're like, oh, my God, we're going to have the same backlash from the community that we had back then, even though it eventually went through. And so people are more just drained from hearing about putting money into tax. But the thing is – is that people, like you said, so selfish, so ignorant to the, to the actual event. Like you said, in, in Detroit, one, $1 billion of the $1.3 billion is being paid for. Here, it's like 80% minimum. I mean, I'm telling you, Chris Hansen, I've got people, sources around here, uh, Steve Silver, who called and said that he might even put up 95% of the money to pay for the arena itself. That means he would have paid for pretty much an NHL arena, concerts, an NBA team, he would have paid for almost 100% of getting this arena here, and it's all because of a stupid vacated lot that is built for, for parking, for events at Quest Field or, or CenturyLink, whatever it is for the Seahawks, and then Safeco Field. That's all it is. That's, that's all it is, and people are freaking out about it. It's, it. it's absolutely baffling, and there's no traffic that really goes through there outside of game days. Traffic would suck for a couple of years for construction, but it would be privately funded construction. And that's the other thing people freak out about here, Andrew, before we move on. Well, to 20 and, seconds and the thing is, guy. Yeah. The, we're, we're going through a stadium being built literally right outside of Comerica Park and Ford Field in Little Caesars Arena. Um, I drove right by that stadium in the middle of rush hour, and it was, it was fine. Like, they keep every side. When they start to build, they keep everything inside the circle of what the arena would be. I think it's like this in all cases. Um, so there's nothing that's actually really going out into the streets that would affect you. It's built from it's it's built from the outside in, but they stand on the inside as they build it. If yes. you get what I'm saying. And Andrew, and the thing is, I went to Vegas. I've been to Vegas twice in the past. Uh, year and a half. I've been to Vegas in the past year and a half. They built that T-Mobile arena in like a year, two years, and nobody. And I remember going down there in October, and they weren't quite done with it. 
they don't they don't go like you said they don't go into the thing and that's the thing that people are frustrated and i don't know about the the construction circumstance in detroit when it comes to building roads and things of that nature but andrew for the last four or five years now they have been this is all public construction so this is a completely different landscape but the traffic is already a nightmare here in the seattle tacoma area it's a nightmare everywhere you go because of construction and the thing people are getting confused with and that they don't understand and, and i can totally get it but this is, this is a, like you said, privately funded construction that will all be within an enclosed area that will be all, you know, done together. But people start thinking of traffic, which is already a nightmare, and I get it. But it's like, like you said, the, they have been working here, Andrew, get this, since like 2012, since I was a junior in college, they started this project of fixing roads in, in the Tacoma, the Pierce County, King County area. And it has been now almost five, six years, and they're not even they're not even forty percent done because the construction is so poorly crafted and put together and slow that people then equate that to then the building of an arena. So, and I get that understanding, but it's private. When you have private buildings, those things themselves will go up way faster than you can think. And when it's privately funded, they get their excuse my French, but they get their shit done. They do. And that's just how it goes. I mean, that is just how it goes. But people don't see that, and that's the frustration that I have. Andrew, let's talk about some happy things. Uh, basketball, real basketball outside of this Seattle discussion. I know if you'd like to call in and talk about the Seattle discussion, the phone number is 323-642-1558. I did not press the Kevin Hart monologue. Kevin Hart, make it happy. Make all right, happy. all right, all right. We're going to learn today. A lot happened in the world of basketball over the weekend. Um, obviously, some games, some game sevens. Uh, one one series was was finished on Friday, and that was the series between the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets. Actually, no, that was the Clippers. Excuse me, that was the Clippers and Portland Trailblazers. The Trailblazers finished off the series, winning in six over. The Clippers, 106 to 103, getting it done there. Obviously, the Pacers beat the Raptors, 101 to 83, to go to push it to a game seven in the Miami Heat. Dwayne Wade was unbelievable down the stretch in that one between the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, he was he put the team on his back in the final thing down the stretch, and the Miami Heat got it in 97-90, pushing it to a game seven. And then Saturday, now I'm going to sit here and tell you, and I said this at the beginning of the show, Andrew. I was at a baseball game, you know that. This Spurs team on Saturday, I did not watch the game. I, was, I, was, I watched Wade Miley throw a five-hit sh- complete game shutout against the world champion six rows back from the dugout. Unbelievable pitching performance. That's Thank why my you. voice is gone. I, I, was supporting, I was supporting Wade Miley. Wade Miley was absolutely unbelievable. But um, that's what you have to do. You've got to yell for a guy when he's, you know, 100 pitches in in the eighth inning. And he's, he's dialing down on the best team in baseball from a year ago. And he looked – I mean, I'm telling you, Andrew, he pounded the strike zone. He was – I mean, it was – I was about to cry. I mean, I, I'm, I, know, I know that it's, it's just baseball and it's just – but I'm telling you, when you love the sport as much as some people do, like myself, and I know you do, Andrew, it, 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 gets, it makes you emotional. When you see a guy who no one thought was going to be as good as he's been, Wade Miley, absolutely bear down – and put together one of the better, one of the best performances I've ever seen in person from a guy who we wouldn't have expected to do against the world champs. It was unbelievable. My voice is gone for that reason alone. But the other game, the, the, the NBA game of the night that night was the opening game of the second round for pretty much the NBA. And the Spurs, look, 
I, I was checking the score as time was going on in the baseball game, and I, I kept – I could not keep my mouth closed when I saw the score. Look, 43-20 to, to 20 at the end of the first quarter, the Spurs were shooting 80% from the field, and I only watched a little bit of the replay. And I, I – look, this is what Greg Popovich will say after this game. Spurs winning 124-92. to 92. They played the perfect game. 60% from the field. LaMarcus Aldridge was a shade under 40 points. Kawhi Leonard shot unbelievable from the field. Danny Green shooting five of eight from the from point range. This was the perfect game from the San Antonio Spurs. And I can guarantee you, and I don't even need to hear his press, press conference, but Greg Popovich probably said something like this. This won't happen again. This was an unbelievable performance. This was the perfect performance. Do not ask me questions about how we're going to play like this the rest of the way because it won't happen. We're going to play a we're going to play a normal game next game, and hopefully that's the game, and that will be played tonight here in about an hour. But uh, that is the game, and everyone's been talking about obviously eighty percent from the floor in the first and sixty percent from the from the field in the entire game. That's the epitome of a perfect basketball game, if you ask me. And the Spurs did it on their opening day. Andrew, what did you see from this game? I didn't check it out at all. I've been busy all, all weekend playing softball, watching baseball, being away from the game. What did you see from this one in game one for the Spurs? Dude, I, I turned it off about 15 minutes in. It wasn't worth watching. Uh, yeah. The Spurs just, just showed Spursness. Um, now, do I think it will happen tonight? No way. Uh, but it was, no like you said, it was a perfect game from the Spurs and the worst game from the Thunder. I actually yeah. – uh, just because my phone's dying, I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to make it here, if we're being honest, because I'm still driving back. I actually uh, think you might see a Thunder upset tonight. Uh, you know, you can't yeah. play that perfect two nights in a row. Thunder are going to come out angry, and even though they're the Spurs, they're still human nature, and I think they might come out a little bit flat just kind of because they, they felt comfortable after that first one. Um, it, it, but, yeah, it wasn't worth watching. Uh, the Greg Popovich pressure went just how you said, I assume. Uh, but it, it was obliteration. It was. It reminded you of the first couple days of the first round. That's what it was. Yes, exactly. I I, I agree with that. Uh, and in the other games on Sunday, uh, the the Heat dominated the Charlotte Hornets, and everyone's talking about how the Heat are going to make it to the finals. Shut up! Not going to happen. They might get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They ain't beating the Cleveland Cavs. If you're watching that game right now, the Cavs are in full control at 15 with five minutes left to go in the third. So that's all you need to know about that one. Uh, and then the, the Warriors won game one against the Portland Trailblazers. I'll have my article up later on, 118 to 106. Again, I'm telling you people, I've said this since Steph Curry got hurt. Once Steph Curry comes back, will the narrative be different about this guy going forward? Now, is he the MVP of the league? No questions asked. He is. Now, in my opinion, I think Draymond Green is. If you heard Andrew Bogut's comments after the ball game, he said and Andrew Bogut said this. Granted, it's Andrew Bogut, but he said Draymond Green is the best overall player in the NBA this year. Now, is he the overall? No, LeBron is. We all know LeBron is the best, most talented player in the NBA. And if you debate that, you're out of your mind. But when it comes to the year that Steph Curry had, obviously 400 threes, best se- best season all time. But he said Draymond Green's the best overall player on this team. It's the stuff I've been saying since January, and he proved it, getting his 14th triple-double-double, or excuse me, triple-double of the the season, first of the playoffs. And he led this team with Klay Thompson's 37. This team, I'm not saying they're better without Steph Curry. I'm just saying they're still, like I said, they're still a 60-65 win team 
without without Steph Curry. They're not. They're still a two seed in the West. They might not have home court, but they're a two seed in the West. They're still unbelievable, and they proved it. They beat Damian Lillard in the Portland Trailblazers, one eighteen to one hundred six in Game Two or Game One of the second round, and then the Toronto Raptors in a gritty. And I'm telling you, this was an unbelievable Game Seven. Toronto and Indiana was must-watch television. Both teams really laying it out on the floor in the fourth quarter. Toronto getting it done, though, 89-84, going on to the next round to play the Miami Heat. An unbelievable game there. Andrew, I I clearly could not get to my TV watching most of these games. I saw the end of the Indiana-Toronto game, which was outstanding. But outside of that, what would you see from yesterday in the NBA? Well, Toronto dominated most of the game. Uh, Indiana made that comeback at the end. But boy, oh boy, are the Raptors' luck for Mar DeRozan finally found his, his stride yeah. in the playoffs. Because if not, they're packing up in the first round again. Uh, he, he found his stride. He did all that without his normal, you know, 20 free throw attempts that he can get sometimes. Um, it, it was it was good to see. I think they'll really carry the momentum into the second round. I think the pressure is off their shoulders, um, especially after seeing how happy the fans are. You know they'll see that and just kind of feel relieved. I think they will play much, much, much better in the second round against the Miami Heat. I think that's another series that goes seven, um, and I, I actually think that's probably the most intriguing second round series, more so than uh, even Spurs versus Thunder. I'm I'm more excited to watch because I think yeah. Spurs are going to win in, in in six games at most. Um, but I think I think Heat Raptors is really going to be the one you want to watch. You want to watch Demar versus Dwayne Wade. You want to watch Kyle. Uh-huh. You want to watch the big strong Jonas Valjunas versus the skinny lengthy Hassan Whiteside. That series is going to be one of those. Every game should be close. Um, you know, home court advantage, you almost feel like isn't really going to matter. It's just going to be like any given night, either team could win. Um, and, and it's really exciting to watch, especially knowing that if Miami wins, we're going to see a Cleveland Cavaliers versus Miami Heat. And I know I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Eastern Conference Finals, LeBron versus Dwayne Wade. And you know that's what the eyes are going to be on the entire time. Is it going to be is yeah. LeBron going to play Dwayne Wade? Uh, or, or are the Raptors going to ruin that dream? Uh, before Dwayne Wade bounces over there in the summer. Whoops, did I say it? Um, but, <laughs> uh, so, you know, that, that is the most intriguing series to me. I, I am unbelievably excited to watch it. Um, and, and, you know, I think the Raptors found their stride, and I think we'll see a Raptors team that, you know, I I, I think I'm the only one that has them winning this series. I really do. Um, but I, I think they will win. I think Andrew's phone just died. Andrew's phone just died. And what's funny is, as I was going to say, as into his answer, is that the Toronto Raptors actually, the Toronto Raptors, I think, actually are going to be the underdogs in this series from the standpoint of how cold their backcourt has been between Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Yes, DeMar DeRozan finally showed up in a game seven. Um, but it took them seven games to play an Indiana team. Where again, Miami, it took them seven to play Charlotte. So it kind of goes back and forth. But Miami had a cold streak in the middle three games, and they they just they finally got it back in the last two. And I think those last two games will be a big time series. But I agree with Andrew wholeheartedly from the standpoint that the the Miami Heat and the Toronto Raptors series will be the more intriguing of the two Eastern Conference second-round games. I definitely wholeheartedly agree with him in that perspective. 
Um, obviously, the Atlanta Hawks getting demolished right now. Three minutes left in the third. The Cleveland Cavaliers up 20, up now 12, excuse me, not, not 20. They're up 12 now with three minutes to go in the third. Um, and then tonight, the Oklahoma City Thunder play the San Antonio Spurs game too. And I don't, I would not disagree with Andrew on that. I think the Oklahoma City Thunder can make a bounce back. Look, Dallas did it against Oklahoma City in the first round. Who's to say Oklahoma City can't do it here? He said the Spurs will win in six. I, I'm not that optimistic as a Spurs fan. I still think this is going to go seven. Now, if Oklahoma City loses tonight and the Spurs win big, it still doesn't mean much because they still got to go back to Oklahoma City. But if the Spurs steal one in Oklahoma City, whether it's game three or game four, that's when I think it'll be a six-game series. And because I think, I think Oklahoma City should win both games at home. Then it'll be a 2-2 series going back to San Antonio. I think the Spurs win back at home. I think the Warriors win back at home. Or excuse me, Oklahoma City wins back at home. And then game seven. And, and honestly, I don't know. If it goes to a game seven, I don't know. And, I, and I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to sound like a homer or anything, but I really don't know. This Spurs team, man, they're they're so good, but they're so just I I man, there's times where I don't know. You know, I, I love this team. They're the best organization in basketball, but you can't you, you can't just sit there and say that it's automatic just because it's the Spurs. And what they did last year, obviously they're much better than last year, but it's the playoffs, it's a whole different animal. I'm just excited to watch good basketball and hopefully we get to watch that tonight between the Spurs and Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I wanted to get to a couple of things. Unfortunately, Andrew's not here. We'll probably just talk about it tomorrow. Space Jam 2 will be on the shelves. We'll talk about that tomorrow more uh, as we go through the Hoopers log. Again, if you'd like to call in and talk about this next topic, we're going to talk about Luke Walton. Real quick before we get off there, we got about we got about five minutes left on the show. If you'd like to call in and talk about Luke Walton or the Seattle Arena or anything else you'd like to talk about in the NBA playoffs that's been going on, 323-642-1558. Luke Walton got hired by the Los Angeles Lakers for five years, $25 million. And he's going to finish out his tenure with the Golden State Warriors for the postseason. But this guy is now going to be coaching the Los Angeles Lakers. And look, he's actually a pretty good fit there. I, I don't have a problem with him going there. I have a, the only problem I have is, is, is this is really the last ditch effort for the, for the, for the organization, the, the front office group for the Los Angeles Lakers. Look, this is an organization that's the Yankees of basketball. They just are. The Lakers are the Yankees of basketball. And if Luke Walton doesn't work out in this deal quickly, now, if he does like a Brad Stevens and does and, and, and creates a pretty good rebuilding job for the first three years, they're going to be fine. But if he can't rebuild this organ, woo, if he can't rebuild this organization in the San, uh, in the Los Angeles Lakers and get them to a level that they want to get to and be successful. Uh, you might be looking at a scenario where the Los Angeles Lakers will be back, will be cut back about about ten more years, because this this front office group. I don't know if if you're an intelligent, intellectual Laker fan that understands what's going on in the front office. It is a three ring circus. I mean, the organization in that front office and the 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 trust they have in one another is so damaged and so I wouldn't call it damaged, but it is so split and, and off the, and off the charts different from one of the, if Jeannie Buss doesn't know what's going on from the coaching perspective, she clearly doesn't know what's going on from the signing perspective of other players. Uh, I think if this Luke Walton deal does not work, free agents don't come to the team. If things don't work out, this could be a very, very, very long, long stretch for the Lakers and they may fall off the face of the earth as being the organization, the greatest organization 
in basketball history. They might happen. I mean, obviously the Celtics have, have, are just as good organizationally, and they may come back to that. They might. And this is a, this is a huge move for the Lakers because, look, as much as I don't like the Lakers as a, as a Spurs fan, I also understand that when the Lakers are good, the NBA is better. That's just how it is. If, if you don't understand that logic that I'm using, go look at, go look at baseball. When, when the Yankees are better, baseball is better. When Notre Dame football is better in, in college football, football is better. When Alabama is good, football is good. I mean, when Notre Dame is great, college football is way better. It's way more intriguing. When you have uh, in, 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 uh, in football – when who's the dominant for it? When the Cowboys are good, when the Cowboys are good, football is better. The, the Lakers, this is a big move for Luke Walton. And if Luke Walton can get this team back to respectability next season, as in winning 35 games, 30 games, if, he, if Luke Walton gets this team to 30 wins next year, it's a huge win for him. If the year after that he gets them to 41 wins and contending for a potential playoff spot, 8, speed, eight seed, he's at least in contention late in the year. That's a win. And then the year after that, if he can get them into an 8th, 7th spot, then he's done his job, and he's definitely fulfilled his rebuilding process for the organization. He might get a big-time extension coming his way in 2018. That's a long time down the road, but that's what he's got to do to get this team back to where it needs to be, the Laker organization, the greatest organization in basketball. That's just how he needs to do it. But if they whiff on this, if the Lakers whiff on this and Luke Walton puts out the same uh, crap that Byron Scott's put out the last two seasons, which I don't think is going to happen. To be honest, I don't think it's going to happen. But if he can't get them back to respectability, this is going to be a long lost time for the Los Angeles Lakers organization. Since 2013, this team has been flat out garbage. I mean, they have, they've been garbage ever since they signed Dwight Howard. This team has been flat out garbage. And if they can't get themselves back to respectability, it's going to take a long, 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 long time before they can rebuild and get everything back to the way it should be. Because when the Lakers are good, I'm telling you, the basketball world is just that much better. And I, and I hope to God that Luke Walton's the right guy. I'm not saying he's not. He's, he was unbelievable this year. And in my opinion, he should have been co-coach of the year. But he doesn't have the personnel that, that Golden State has. He just doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't have the front office savvy that, that Golden State has. So if Laker fans are this duped into thinking that Luke Walton's the perfect guy, don't kid yourself. I think he's a great hire. But they could have done better with Thibodeau. They could have done better with, I don't know about Scotty Brooks, but in my opinion, Luke Walton might be a modern-day Scotty Brooks, an average, player, an average coach with, with good players. He doesn't have good players on that team. Everyone's young. Everyone's rebuilding. It's new. He better pray to God that Ben Simmons walks through that door because if he doesn't, I'm telling you, Luke Walton's going to have a hell of a time trying to rebuild that organization in La La Land for years to come. Uh, that's our show for today. Uh, we are here. We are out of here. We got about a minute left on the show. Episode 130 is in the books. My voice is still gone. Uh, obviously, the uh, with the way that tonight's going to go, uh, it's looking like the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to get it done over the Atlanta Hawks again. They are dominating in that one. I believe they're heading into the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. And the Cleveland Cavaliers are still up large in that one. Uh, yes. Actually, no, they're only up five now. Wow, the Hawks set it close with about, with about 20 seconds left in the third. It's getting close there in, in, in Cleveland as they move forward in game one and obviously the Spurs in Oklahoma City tonight. Get one, episode 130's in the books. Episode 131 for Tuesday. May 3rd is tomorrow. Same time, same place. 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern here on CLNS Radio through the Hoopers like in the Seat Keep Studios. My name is Simo Buckets. I'm out of here. We'll be back tomorrow with an episode talking about the games from last night and any other breaking news going forward in the world of basketball. Thank you again, everybody. Have a good one. Enjoy your day. And, and, and Pacific Northwest, hang your head up. It's only going to get better. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.